0: Kia ora. This programme is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Story Collective. Untold stories by unheard voices. Keystrokes Per Minute, a limited series podcast about the women of the New Zealand public service typing pools from 1945 till the present day. Haare my welcome to a Keystrokes Per Minute bonus episode, Valuing the Profession. Many industry groups have a professional body to represent their interests at government or local government level, to build collegial connections and to provide professional development to ensure there is a high standard for their professional services. One thing these industry groups have in common is the nature of their work. For example, builders build houses. However, administrative professionals are generalists whose skills intersect industry groups and across every level of business from senior management to shop floor. A key indicator of this intersectionality is that there are 160 plus different job titles used worldwide to describe administration and support roles. Regular listeners to this podcast will have heard reference by some interviewees to either the New Zealand Society for Executive Secretaries or the Association of Administrative Professionals New Zealand, known as AAPNZ. To help listeners understand the enormously important role of AAPNZ in promoting the value and affording status to the administrative profession, I am pleased to welcome Eth Lloyd to the podcast. Eth is a member of the New Zealand Order of Merit, has a Master's in Education, a Diploma in Business Administration, and is an ex-national president and a lifetime member of AAPNZ. And that is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to Eth's list of achievements and accolades. Regular listeners will recognise Eth's voice as she is also one of the research team members for the Keystrokes Oral History Project and conducted a number of interviews. Eth and I sat down together over a whole afternoon and had an in-depth and detailed conversation about the history and work of AAPNZ, her personal history with the organisation and as an administrative professional. This half-hour bonus episode will only touch on some topics that deserve more airtime, so we will provide a full one-hour bonus episode for our listeners to download. Now let's crack on and let Eth fill us in on the AAPNZ History, an extensive programme of work
1: over the last 50 years. I've had a long involvement with the Association of Administrative Professionals, about 24 years. I remember when I joined the... It was just after the 1997 conference in Christchurch and I went down with a friend and we got in the lift with the person who was the current national president and I remember saying to my friend when we got out, I'm going to be in that role one day. It was founded by a lady by the name of Doreen Smart who today in AAPNZ we have the Doreen Smart Scholarship which we give out each year for a member who applies with an appropriate study programme they want to participate in. The association was originally formed in 1972
0: and was named the Society of Certified Executive Secretaries New Zealand.
1: And they had that name for the first 10 years. They started in Wellington. The first group was in Wellington and was run from Wellington by that initial group. And the next group was Auckland. Um, And so over those 10 years, they grew a certain number of groups and became more of a national body. And at some point during that time, also the head office moved up to Auckland. They actually had a physical office in Auckland for a little while where they had a a person working. So things changed during that time. But in about 1982, they changed their name to the New Zealand Society of Executive Secretaries. So they took the word certificated out because of the connotations around certified. One of the difficulties for women in our profession was being taken seriously, being seen as a contributing part of a work environment, an office environment, not just the secretary, not just the typist, not just the tea maker or the person who answers the phone. All of those roles are critical, but there was always a just in front of them. And to be taken seriously, we needed a name that could not be made fun of the year 2000, they actually had a special general meeting to vote on the name where they went to the Association of Administrative Professionals, New Zealand Inc. Now, that was a really important change in many ways because that was happening right around the world. The association in the United States became the International Association of Administrative Professionals. In Asia, they've never took out and still to this day have not taken out the term secretary, because to be a secretary in most parts of Asia, you required are required to have a degree. So they've actually made it secretary and administrative professionals. And this highlights a bigger problem around the world is the fact that there are over 160 different titles for people who work in this role. And in probably 98 or 99, I got collared. My friend Trish Corley and I got collared by one of the more long-serving members and told that they thought we would do an excellent job of uh, running the next international secretarial summit which was being held in Wellington and which was in conjunction with our own AAPNZ conference. So these two things went hand in hand. I was particularly involved with the AAPNZ side, but I had to liaise closely with the person who was running the international event. So I was pretty deeply involved. I was pretty fascinated and actually quite overwhelmed by the international side of it. I had up until then, I mean, we're only talking three years of membership, had really only focused on my own local AAPNZ group rather than this huge international movement. And those people just seemed so sophisticated and so organized. However, my involvement then became pretty regular. So from then on, the international summits were held every three to four years. And from then on, I became a representative because in 2003, I was the national president of AAPNZ. So I went to the conference in London. So I became quite intimately involved in that. So, having jumped that gun a little bit, in 2002, I came in as National President. National President role is generally two years. I would have to say it's like having a full-time job alongside a full-time job. So the President's role was um, a voluntary role, but I still had my full-time role as um, the personal assistant to the General Manager of the Hazards Group for Geological and Nuclear Sciences. I have to say, he was a huge support to me, allowing me time to go and meet with sponsors and do things like that. He was also the person who, before just before I became national president, said to me, all the things that you do in this job, it's a great shame there isn't some way that you could get some recommenda- re- recognition. He said, I don't know how, but there's a shame. Not long after that, I attended the opening of a, a training company And I had, I think the only time in my life really, I had a light bulb moment. His comment was in the back of my mind. What they were talking about brought it into focus. The next day I went to work and I was, I I felt like I was buzzing inside. So I sat down and wrote this email to the then current president whom I was taking over from. The bit that made me laugh is she rang me back later in the day, may have even been when I was home that evening, and said, I have to tell you, to understand your email, I had to print it out and stand up and read it out loud because it was written just the way you talk. And she laughed because she felt, she felt the excitement. And she said, and I can't do what you're planning to do. So that was the, every president comes in with something that they want to achieve. So Robin Brett Bennett, who was the president I took over from she took us through the name change she took us through the rebranding she got started on the fact that we needed a a good website and we didn't really have a good one at that time we had a, a bit of one so that was her goal and that's what she achieved so she handed me that all done and then I ran with what became called AAPNZ certification.
0: Now, Eth will walk us through the certification process, which was designed and implemented by the Development Subcommittee under her tenure as President and launched in 2004. Then Eth goes on to explain the impetus for her to undertake postgraduate studies at university in her 50s, pioneering research into professional development opportunities and career pathways for administrative professionals in New Zealand. The final part of this segment is the explanation of the competency certificates implemented in
1: 2012. So a whole lot of things were happening at the same time, but we had a group that we called our Professional Development Sub- Subcommittee, and a member of that committee was also involved in what was used to be called the New Zealand Diploma in Business. So we had a representat- representative on that committee trying to put the fact that we needed administration to be part of that diploma, not just managers. The committee I pulled together had members of AAPNZ on it, but it also had a lady by the name of Jay Lamburn, who at that stage was the head of the public sector training organisation, which was an industry training organisation. Industry training organisations were set up along different industry lines. So you had engineering and you had building and you had everything you can think of. But administration didn't have its own industry training organisation as it was seen as crossing all of them. So the public sector training organisation sort of took up the baton for those who were working in administration in the public sector, which I have to say many of our members were part of the public sector. So that's why Jay was there. But Jay was a huge help because I had this woolly idea and I had no idea how to make it happen. And Jay could see how we could make it happen. So we had lots of meetings, lots of drawing up on the whiteboard. And at that stage, we came up with a four-part, four equal parts of a circle. One of those parts was participation in your AAPNZ group. Another part was your formal qualification, which we required, once we developed it fully, to be a level five or above, which is a diploma. We then had um, your work history, and we had to be careful not to use work experience because that could have meant two weeks working in an office. So we've got work history, which basically was your CV. And then the final part was what we call continuing professional development, so CPD. So again, we were very focused on it being achievable and including people because we recognised in particular that New Zealand is a country of small businesses and small businesses often have only one administrator. And very often they're not given the chance to be able to do professional development. So AAPNZ itself had to make certain it provided sufficient professional development for its members to attend. We had our conference in 2004, which was held in New Plymouth, and we got the Member of Parliament, um, the honourable Harry Deinhoven, who came and launched it, and we had our first three people who achieved that certification. so during that year they had gone through the process of applying. all three of those people who achieved their certification held the NZ dip. They were people who had studied at a distance and they'd achieved that over a number of years. I stopped being national President with the launch of certification. I retained involvement because I became chairman of the um, AAPNZ Professional Development Limited, which was our limited liability company, that we ran all of our professional development through. Because if it involved any form of financial risk, we needed to have it go through the limited liability company, so our members weren't affected if we got it wrong. One of the things, of course, with the, the pride with which I saw the three people achieve their first certification was a little tempered by the fact that I didn't have a suitable qualification myself. But I then decided I'd better get on and get a qualification. And during the time that I'd been president, it would become really clear to me that we weren't being recognised. And I, I thought, I have to go and look at research, and I'd never done anything with research. A Department of Education at the university had put out this um, qualification, which was either an undergraduate or a postgraduate diploma in professional development and training. And so it was about understanding the doing of professional development and training. So it was really appropriate for me both at AAP and Z into my work. So I started in on that. And I have to say, it was the scariest thing I've ever done in my life. I did fine. I decided to do the postgraduate one, which meant I had to do essays that were 3,000 words long, not 1,500 words long, but that was okay as well. One of the subjects I had to do was about reviewing a programme, and so I chose to do a review of how we had set up certification, and that was actually really satisfying, because while I didn't actually have to follow through on a lot of the things I did, I did have to talk to all the people who had applied, because nine people had applied that first time, but only three had achieved, and that was part of we needed to know what people were going to provide as evidence, and we needed to know what to tell them they needed to do to be able to achieve it. So it was a good thing. So we were able to review that. And I think that was really important because that was part of my own development as well. Because when I started looking for the research, there wasn't any. And so that led me, after 2005, to do, decide that I actually would have to do a master's to do the research that was required. And so I started doing my master's and graduated with that in 2010. And that was the first research in New Zealand into the administrative profession ever. And I had one of the best research librarians at Victoria University searching for me around the world. And between him and I, we found only 10 pieces in the world ever. And as I said to my supervisor, I don't really have to do the research, do I? Because it's all there in the fact that nobody's ever written about us because we're not considered important because it's just women's work. There was um, a national president at the time who also wanted to have something that she could put out and she had had a conversation with a member of her executive and theirs was also about recognizing what we do. So yes, we have certification, but not everybody can achieve a qualification. So how else can we recognize it? So they they came up with the idea for couldn't we have certificates that recognize this? And so um, my colleague Wendy Rappanashi and I did a lot of work in our workplace assessment, individual businesses, but we worked together a lot, where we developed a book for them. And this booklet sets out three levels of competency certificate one two and three quite simple level one was the involvement with your own association the first competency certificate was free they could apply for that and and as many people wanted to could apply for it and and it was a tick box exercise and then they were achieved with competency certificate two they had to do a written assignment. So that had to be assessed and it had to be moderated. So there was a small cost, I can't remember, $50, $60. And the third competency certificate was based on unit standards and it was based on unit standards focused on the tasks that people do in the job. So for Wendy and I, these were things that we had been assessing and they were things that we knew the vast bulk of members would be able to build a portfolio on. And again, these had to be portfolios that were developed with all the backup evidence and a written assignment and submitted for assessment and moderation. So we had quite a resilient program of looking at these things so that people could have faith in them and they would be presented with their certificate at their group. Certification also, by the way, just as an aside, has to be renewed every two years. So that's about continuing your professional development and, and the role that you're working in. But competency certificates once got, we recommended strongly to people that they framed them and put them on their wall in their office because people will notice and they will have a chance to talk about what they've done. So that worked really well for that time. But with some of the future changes, we're going to have to look at different ways of doing that because everything is so dynamic.
0: In this last segment, Eth explains AAPNZ's role in two recent reviews in progress, one with NZQA into qualification development and one with government into vocational education and what effect this has on the certification process. She then explains what's behind the new name for AAPNZ.
1: So there's, there's a couple of really important reviews that happened, one at um, New Zealand qualifications level and one at government level. And the first one was what they called the TROC review, mm-hmm. Total Review of Qualifications. And that needed to be reviewed because we'd ended up with hundreds and hundreds of little unit standards and you're constantly having to review and change them because technology was changing. So they looked at it and said, let's look at it slightly differently. I think it was generally a good move. But as with any change, there's often an unintended consequence. And with this particular one, when previously we had had a fit for purpose, level five, Diploma in Business Administration, very specific to our field. We now had a level five Diploma in Business with an elective Administration and Technology. Now, the bonus of that was suddenly we were part of business. We weren't out the side on Business Admin. The downside and the unexpected aspect of it was that the business part has a long, long history of being taught in polytechnics. The business administration qual could totally be assessed in the workplace. The new business part had at least two small areas that it was almost impossible for someone working in administration to achieve in the workplace. So suddenly we had a situation where the whole qualification could not be assessed in the workplace. The admin and technology electives could be, but the polytechnics were not quite geared up, and the assessors in the polytechnics generally didn't have the experience to assess in the workplace that those of us who were solely workplace assessors did. So they tended to be more assessing against what they had taught, which is logical whereas we were assessing against what they did. So there's just a different focus, and it makes for a very different experience. Hard on the heels of the Troc Review came what's called the Rove Review, the Review of Vocational Education, which was hugely needed. This country could not support all the little tiny polytechnics, but on top of that, polytechnics had been put in competition with each other to be businesses, and it just wasn't working. They were, going bankrupt in places that, you know, just wasn't working. But I do have to say here that um, AAPNZ put forward a very strong and well-reviewed submission to that review. And we were not saying it should or shouldn't happen. What we were saying is, please don't lose the workplace assessment portion. This is really important for our members because that's where they get their best experience. One of the things that many people may not realise is the vast bulk of those who worked in administration had no qual. They were as I was. They came out of school having had a very checkered history at school. And yes, they might have got a level three secretarial certificate when they came out of polytechnic. If they did a year of that, they might have got their skills taught to them at school, but they didn't have higher level quals. So when you said to them you'd like them to do a quoll, you could see it in their eyes, and in their eyes it said, no way, Jose, until you showed them how the quoll was made up. And I would see it when I worked through that the first day they would be so tense and so nervous and so afraid. And the second day it was like working with a different person. By the time you got to the end of it, you realised you were two peers. Mm. who were working together to achieve a goal so it was a, it was an awesome experience but that led to all of these things which were being changed at government level and important to be changed but again administrators weren't factoring highly So I wrote the submission for AAPNZ to submit to NZQA and to the government. We, of course, never heard anything back. You don't generally after those things. And overall, we believe that what is happening with the polytechnics is something we can work with. And the critical factor there is the fact that NZQA says that AAPNZ, or admins as it is today, is the peak body for those in administration. So we get to speak for them, and the polytechnics, as they start developing their new courses, they have to come and talk to us, and we're happy to do that. The, the most important thing for our members is that they have choices. So when I worked as a workplace assessor in my own business, I gifted to AAPNZ a skills analysis that I used. And so AAPNZ was able to send out the skills analysis to their member or non-member. It would then come back. We would then assess it. So there were three of us who were trained as assessors who were members. We would assess that and we would provide a report which gave them a summary of the skills they held, a range of the options of the different types of quals, a recommendation of the qualification that was best for them, and a recommendation of the best way to achieve it. So that people then could take that report to their managers to seek help. So that was what we did. And we don't have the same opportunity now. So suddenly our whole certification process, which is on a level five, most of our members are unable to achieve a level five. So we have an issue here. And this led to us looking at what NZQA has now put in, which are micro-credentials. So you've got your main qualifications, your level four, your level five, your level six, with the speciality in technology and administration. But you can also develop micro-credentials. So our professional development subcommittee is working really hard to develop these new credentials. So that's that's quite a nice staircase. Mm -hmm. and, And that's one of the things that we... And particularly I felt was important was that people didn't feel they had to take this enormous bite and it comes back to the old saying of how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time. Micro-credentials in particular give them one bite at a time because for every micro-credential they get they will get a badge and we're looking at the electronic badging system and so they're able to build and if for some reason they don't go all the way to the top they're still recognised for what they have done. And that all feeds into the fact that with an AAPNZ, the the modern environment of today, means we've changed how the association functions to a degree. So we've always had a national office. Members have always paid their membership to the national office. Some of that membership then went back to whichever group they came from. To help them run the group. And the groups were responsible and would have a president and a, you know, a management team, and they would run monthly meetings and all those things. And a very steady common problem that groups have is having a management team, getting people to stand for those roles, finding a speaker every month. So what they have, but the national body has done, has said, well, everybody's members of the national body, Let's keep the membership there. In each group, let's just have an executive officer. And if groups don't have the ability to run anything in the way of professional development, the national body will provide a webinar every month that members can go to. And if the local group has a speaker that they want to use, they can organise for that. If that speaker's great, they can recommend them to the national body and everybody. So there's a circular thing going on there. But the local group can always Always do a meeting or a social function if they want. So yeah, there was. there's lots of things that are happening I think most of them are really positive. And I think the changes that we've made to AAPNZ, now using a trading name of admins, is also part of that. Trying to explain AAPNZ is actually quite challenging. Although I have to laugh, I've had a lot of people who've said to me AAPNZ such a mouthful. And I went back and said, well, it's no worse than M-R-I-E-N-Z for the real estate. You know, when you use the first letters to create some sort of an acronym, you're stuck with how the words are put together. Admins, it is, it's commonly used around the world. Personally, I don't like admins, A-D-M-I-N-S, because it tends to all be done in lowercase. And that sort of is, again, a reducing, a belittling, a making smaller. But Admins, capital A, D, M, I, capital N, capital Z, makes a statement.
0: S Research was recognised by similar organisations internationally. This led her to be invited to present at conferences for administrative professionals globally, including in the US, UK, Europe, South Africa and the Middle East. It also led her to drive the formation of an international body, the World Administrators' Alliance, The WA Alliance has recently launched the Global Skills Matrix for all administrative professionals to support their professional development and career pathway. Listeners can find out more on the wa-alliance.com website. While Eth has now retired, she continues her close involvement as an advisor to Admins, formerly AAPNZ, and the World Administrators Alliance. With around 240,000 people in New Zealand working as administrative professionals, The skilled work they do requires recognition and a clear career pathway, so they see themselves as the professionals they are, and so do their colleagues, managers and employers. The Keystrokes Per Minute project was made possible by funding support from the Ministry of Culture and Heritage and the Public Services Commission. Listeners can find out more about the project by visiting website www.storycollective.nz.